Coast. Friday of April, everybody. I hope everything is going well in your neck of the woods. I hope that spring has sprung. I hope all is good. I hope you're giving God the glory. Now, I hope you don't mind that we've tried to change things up just a little bit. Okay. We don't have any guests on this week. So we're going to just try to experiment a little bit with technology. We're going to try to evolve, if you will. So has anybody ever watched the show Breaking Bad? Now, I know this was a staple show for AMC back between 2008, 2013, something like that. And it's a show that I definitely don't recommend anybody watch ever. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But it's a show about a high school chemistry teacher, and his name is Walter White. And he's living this normal but pretty much an uneventful life with his wife and his special needs son. He's a high school student. And um, they're in the state of New Mexico and he finds out that he has cancer and he becomes just destitute and continuing to live this same vain existence doing what he loves doing. And he feels compelled to continue providing for his family once he finds out that he has cancer. He wants to be that provider. He wants to make something of the remaining time he has on the earth. But he starts considering a much different path once he goes on a ride along with his brother-in-law, Hank. And of course, Hank is a DEA agent. He's old school American justice, uh, much shorter John Wayne-esque modern day superhero. And Walt realizes how much money is to be made in the methamphetamine or meth business when he goes on a routine bust with Hank. And he starts to ponder the possibility that he can continue working in a business where he not only understands the subject, chemistry, but he's also going to use that knowledge to make his own batch of methamphetamines to help alleviate the burden of his family's financial struggles as a result of his recent cancer diagnosis. Now, Walt runs into a former drug dealing and drug using student, a high school dropout named Jesse Pinkman, And he approaches Jesse about uh, helping him to cook his own meth. Now, Walt can provide the chemistry so long as Jesse can provide the clients in this dark world where, you know, Walt has only seen flashes over the course of his vanilla life. Now, they find an old RV and they start to cook meth in this RV out in the middle of the New Mexico desert. Now, if you've noticed today's podcast episode image, it reminded me of this initial pilot episode where they go out to the desert and they start their cooking and their embarrassing brigade of events like Walt being stranded in his whitey tidies in the middle of the highway. Now, how does this tie into today's show? Well, I'll tell you why I started talking about probably one of the most anti-Christian shows you could ever watch. But first, speaking of law enforcement, have you ever checked out Weapons of Righteousness? Have you ever checked out their ministry website? Well, 
law enforcement officers encounter daily darkness on a level that most people can't comprehend. They're forced to deal with individuals on their darkest days for the purpose of bringing order and safety in that person's chaotic life or situation. Law enforcement officers need to recognize the spiritual battle that they're involved in and understand the weapons that Jesus Christ has provided for them to walk in victory over the darkness of this world. Police officers are on the front lines of the spiritual and physical battle between light and darkness. They need to see themselves as weapons of righteousness for the kingdom of God rather than just mere government agents. Weapons of Righteousness Ministries is now needed more than ever due to the current climate within the nation. We have an opportunity through this ministry to not only transform the lives of law enforcement officers, but also to their families and communities they serve. And this is from Taylor M. Clark, founder and president of Weapons of Righteous Ministries Incorporated. Weapons of Righteousness Ministries is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose primary focus is on relationship-based deep discipleship and biblical truth amongst active prior and retired law enforcement. Please check them out today at weaponsofrighteousness.org. You're listening to Creation Compass. Now, again, I don't recommend Breaking Bad for any of our younger listeners, or in all honesty, I don't recommend it for anybody. Many years ago, Brianna and I, we watched the entire five seasons, and afterwards we just felt like we needed to take a bath. I mean, we just felt dirty. The entire show is a filthy degradation of how far mankind has fallen in this world. There have been spinoff series, movies, crossovers made on this show, and unfortunately, much of the sinister nature of this show is a direct correlation to public education. Yes, you heard me correctly. In a more acceptable form, public education has become very similar in the depravity that teachers, administrators, and most people see as the moral and ethical fabrics have just been stripped away thread by thread. It's fallen to many crevices in its practice as a TV show about a middle-aged man cooking meth in an RV in his underwear with a drug-addicted, drug-dealing student in this old beat-up desert, beat-up RV. Now, why would I make such a broad-brush comparison after spending my entire childhood and all of my adult and collegiate career from 1987 to 2021. Now, this is not a shot at specific individuals, whether they be in administration, teaching, uh, students, parents, or anybody else, just because I have a platform to do so. This isn't a tell-all. I'm not going to blast institutions that have educated me or employed me. This is strictly to explain why I made the decision to leave public education and there's no turning back. Now, back in 2001, I made the decision to enter education as a college major. Now, you must remember, I never prayed about my future profession. I simply chose to enter education because I dreamed of having a job where I would be minimally committed between Monday and Friday, nine to five or eight to five, rather, uh, nine to ten months out of the year. And, of course, I began as a prospective high school history teacher where baseball coaching was my focus. That's part of the reason that I, I decided that Columbus State University would be my choice is because they offered a coaching minor 
And I really thought that's where I was supposed to be. So once I entered into this realm, I moved to Columbus about fall of 2002. And I quickly learned that I had no idea what education was all about. I'd only been removed from high school for about two years at this point. So I also didn't understand the wretched neighborhoods and home lives that many children that I was now engaging with experienced on a daily basis. One of my first placements was in a fourth grade classroom, and I learned way more about how rough that life can be than I ever dreamed of. I learned of a fourth grade student. I'm going to name her Sierra for keeping her anonymous. Now, not only did she battle a learning disability at the age of eight, she was also expected to care for her three younger siblings each day while her mother decided that she thought to keep that family off of full governmental support, she would work multiple jobs. She was expected to get them home, cross the street, off the school bus, keep them from getting run over every day, to help them with their homework, to help them with projects, prepare their evening meal, help get them cleaned, assist with laundry, and then get them to bed just in time for mom to kiss them goodnight. Now, again, I had no idea what this young lady truly felt on the inside, but she came to school every day with a smile on her face, and she would do her absolute best. Now, every day when she left school, she re-entered a dark world with neighborhoods that were full of drugs, crime, and other acts that, you know, unfortunately, many young children and many adults get forced into, whereas sexual or drug-related slavery is the norm. Now, I knew that she would eventually be forced to make some choice, and it terrified me. I was 20 years old at the time, and I'd been living away from the Lord for a couple of years. I was battling my own personal issues, and I stayed in a constant state of depression. But I had no idea what this young lady was going through. I had no idea what she faced, and I did not know where she would eventually wind up. Now, fast forward two and a half years. I finished student teaching. I've been in multiple schools, a lot of different placements. The one staple that remained the same is that I wanted to finish my four-year degree. And that, of course, was a bachelor's of science in middle grades education. And my focus was on math and science because I knew that I could truly make a difference in somebody's life. Now, of course, I was not looking at any spiritual impact. I wanted to promote kindness, humor, and I wanted to just love these kids as nobody had ever loved them before. I was going to drastically change their behaviors, their outcomes, and I was going to do something that no one else on this earth could accomplish. <laughs> Boy, was I ever naive. I'd accepted a middle school science position at a magnet school in Columbus, Georgia, and I would soon find out why not only male teachers were in short supply, but why teacher attrition or their burnout had skyrocketed in the previous 15 to 20 years. One of the first classes that I worked with had around 32 to 35 students, and seven of them were diagnosed with EBD, which is Emotional and Behavioral Disorder. Now, this was just one class. I had, I think, five classes at that time. And most of these students were extremely defiant, disrespectful. They liked basic education skills. Most of them were at least one year too old for the grade that they were placed in. Now, this was the good school that I was at. Just imagine taking a job on the other side of town where you have barred windows, metal detectors, 
several policemen devoted to just that school on a daily basis due to the gang and the crime activity in those neighborhoods. I should have counted my lucky stars that I was at this school. And even though I didn't like science as much as I did math, I took the position because I knew I could make a difference here. Now, I could have stayed in South Georgia working on the farm and doing manual labor because I was pretty good at that. But my dad always said, son, you would really make a great teacher. You get a better schedule than a peanut farmer like his, you know, such as himself. You could work inside when it's hot or when it's cold and be comfortable. Most importantly, you can help people. That job would be perfect for you. My daddy was old school, South Georgia peanut farmer, no college education. And on paper, most people would say he was just an ordinary, common, hardworking, kind and considerate person. And he was. The common sense approach that he had always used in solving life's problems just really was something I looked up to. I really admired him for that. And although I didn't spend as much time with him as a kid because of his work schedule, I always, always wanted his approval. He definitely had my heart. I always cared about what he thought and what he believed. And the fact that when he was present, it meant everything. Now, he was one of the few people that I truly cared about pleasing. And I would have run through the gates of hell with a water pistol and a sack full of water balloons to make him smile. Not really, but you get my point. My dad's opinions and his beliefs truly made me question my own choices. And it really mattered. His beliefs truly made me consider that I really want to be a better person. Fathers do matter. Husbands matter. And you know, men really do matter. Unfortunately, our society doesn't see things like that anymore. And once I really considered what my dad meant to me, I started to consider the common trend that I had noticed in the schools for several years. The common trend that Sierra and countless others had, and that was the fact that very few of them had a father, anyone to look up to that was a male in their home. The skin color was almost irrelevant in most cases because they had become so accustomed to the mother or a female figure. A lot of the time, a grandmother or an aunt or sometimes even just a, a distant relative, that was the dominant figure. That was the head of household. And it was the male figure that actually caused them to retaliate, whether it be verbal or physical, and sometimes most dangerously, neglect or abandonment that maybe they had experienced in their homes. Now, the proverbial light bulb suddenly began to flicker and become increasingly brighter as to what my purpose was in this job, to serve as a positive male role model, not try to be world-changing, but to be available, to simply be there. Now, to be consistent in their lives, no matter how bad that I wished the days that they were absent and just not there so I wouldn't have to deal with those behaviors, that was going to involve sacrifice sacrificing my own comforts for the sake of comforting others, both physically and emotionally. You're listening to Creation Compass. Folks, if you haven't already done so, please consider checking out our website at creationandcompost.com. There you'll be able to keep up with everything that's going on with this outreach, with our podcast, recent online posts, many hours of YouTube videos, missions that we support, friends of CNC, and you can even reach out to us 
personally with prayer requests, weekly newsletters, and several other features. If you'd like for us to come and speak at your church, business, school, we have that option as well to provide creation seminars, discussions. Please check out creationandcompost.com and join us today. Now, before taking my current position here in Virginia, I have served in five public school districts in both Georgia and North Carolina while serving students in grades 9 through 12 since around 2005. Now, I've had the opportunity to work with thousands of students and parents in different regions with a lot of different demographics. Now, despite the latitude and some of the other factors that make each place a little bit different, one thing remains the same. I have learned life lessons in every place that I've been. I've had good experiences. I've had bad. There's an upside in everything, even in baseball. Now, don't get me started on my top 25 list of things that I truly despise about today's game, okay? Maybe we can make a new podcast out of that. Maybe we can talk about that at a later time. Now, I firmly believe that everything rises and falls on leadership. This means that whether a leader is good, bad, effective, or not, he or she always sets the pace. Now, in public education, unfortunately, there are a few leaders that are just yes men and women. That's all they do. They just say yes to everything because they've chosen a career in which they're comfortable, so comfortable because they've worked hard for their education to provide a good quality living, which is nothing at all to shake your head about. It's something to be admired. They got plenty of time to earn additional degrees, to get pay raises. They can even advance in the school district. They can receive a decent health insurance. They can retire at a considerably young age. They can enjoy all kinds of activities once they retire. The question is, is it really worth it? Now, after you've spent your entire career following the promotion, making a name for yourself, building a brand, building a legacy, what really is left? Now, for me, going to the same job every day, waiting to retire, waiting for the pay raise, waiting for the promotion, waiting for someone to acknowledge and you know just give you a pat on the back or just simply continue going to avoid getting fired, I'll pass. In fact, I have passed. Now, our nation's first president, George Washington, was quoted as saying, while we are zealously performing the duties of good citizens and soldiers, we certainly ought not to be inattentive to the higher duties of religion. To the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. Now, back in 2009, I had already become so bored with my job as I had already attained three college degrees, was working on a fourth in my first four years of teaching. I just saw my job as a way to pay the bills, pass the time, and I was supporting my wife as she was finishing up her four-year degree. That's pretty much it. I just went to work, paid the bills, and that was it. 
I'd already fallen into the trap where my balloon had quickly become deflated with all the political correctness, the social conformity that pretty much every school has become. Indeed, I had become Walter White, minus the meth cooking and perpetual crime sprees that that lifestyle, according to the show, would suggest is the norm. I was so numb to the enjoyment that I once failed only four years ago, mind you, that I was already considering, what am I going to do next? How am I going to find something where I can use my training to make the most of my life and all this money that I've spent to go change the world? Now, it wasn't until I was challenged to begin learning about biblical creationism, which has changed my views, the way I communicate, the way I teach science. It has been the game changer in my worldview. And face it, everybody has a worldview. You've just got to be willing to admit it. Now, once I began seeing things through more of a scriptural lens and I had to kind of retrain my brain and erase that training that 25 plus years of public education had had taught me, God started revealing his plan for my life. Now, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians one twenty five. it says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Now, this is not me bashing every teacher that's ever instructed me or that I've worked alongside in public education. You know, we always are told in mainstream media, the reason public education exists is because it is the most tolerant and everyone is treated equally based on their race, ethnicity, gender, creed, sexual orientation, religious beliefs, family background, socioeconomic status, whatever. Now, it might have once strived to do that to provide a free quality education for everybody, but that's not what it is now. Now, if somebody receives the calling to teach biblical creationism, I firmly believe they can still work in the public school. I did it for a long time. But the challenges are so great that your ability to be effective must truly rely on you not being concerned as to whether or not you're going to be publicly admonished, demoted, or even fired. Now, Proverbs 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it cost all you have, get understanding. Now, rather than naming specific administrators that were the most or least effective, I've decided to describe some qualities of effective administrators. <laughs> I've learned a ton from both types. I intentionally would not model my style after those that I consider to be not as effective. Now, one common trend that I've noticed in most of the ones that are ineffective is they are yes men and women. They tread water. They play it safe. They meet the status quo for a while as the flock is challenged to meet higher goals. And most of the time, these leaders use these proper acronyms and cliches. They play the part. They get as many likes and retweets and pats on the back to keep their cushy job. And often the teacher, the staff resources become less available in the process. The FTE, you know, cost per student, it begins to rise while the budgets surprisingly get cut. The red tape thickens, the support wanes throughout the district, and people outside of the school system actually get all the catering while the workers spend more time planning, testing, and looking at numbers. Well, guess what? Those numbers are children. Those children are created in the image of God. 
Those children have eternal souls where they'll spend the remainder of eternity in one of two places. Now, I did my best to promote my witness by example. I tried to use my conversations to glorify God. I tried to promote critical thinking in my class, even when I was not being accused of teaching to the test. I dreaded going to work knowing that my kids would not be able to get the full experience of possibly being led to the Lord by myself. Teachers are threatened, excuse me, strongly warned and trained not to teach to a test, not to talk about the test, but every bit of their planning, instruction, and their goals revolve around a test. We were told that once we received our standardized testing buckets, that we couldn't even go to the restroom without them. Now, of course, these restrictions were put in place after testing scandals like Fulton and Gwinnett County. And I'm a certified administrator and, and I get it. You know, I understand all the, the testing safety procedures. But for me, the real question became, why am I going to raise my own biological children in an environment where I don't even agree with the district's definitions and their expectations about what is a proficient, exemplary, or distinguished achiever. And guess what? Each one of my children have been dedicated and given right back to God. So he's loaning them to me. I better instruct his children the best that I can. Proverbs 9.9 actually says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. Now, when God put the blessing of creation ministry on my heart back in 2009, I was ready to change the world again. I felt just like I did back in the teacher education program at CSU from 2002 to 04. The only issue that I had was when I began my dissertation and I became very disinterested in my topic, which of course related to the shortages of males in teaching, which I previously referred to. Now, once I dug into the research, I learned that in the early 1900s, almost 100% of teachers were indeed males. This was a trend that started to wane after females and minorities began to deservedly get their rights they should have had all along. Less men were in teaching because it was viewed as women's work or something that was a lot less prestigious. Now, of course, some countries today still value teaching as a highly regarded profession, places like Japan and Finland. However, in the U.S., this trend has completely changed. It kind of makes you wonder why Walter White hadn't already lost his mind in that Breaking Bad TV show, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over with little to no support, lack of freedom to to simply produce quality dialogue or to try to promote interest in his apathetic students and parents, you know, just teaching young people to think, just try to encourage healthy dialogue and discussions between various perspectives and agree to disagree. You're listening to Creation Compass. All right, so this week we are talking a little bit about life choices. And we're talking about how there's no turning back once you've made a decision. Recently at our homestead, we have had some big changes. And one of those involves getting ducks and chickens. And right now we actually have 10 ducks 
and we got like 16 chickens. So I've got all four of my kiddos with me. So I'm going to start with Watson. Watson, what would you say you like more to eat? What What's like your favorite thing to eat? Do you like chicken, duck? What, what kind of bird do you really enjoy eating? Duckweed. <laughs> so we like to go to Waynesville, North Carolina, and there's a place called Birchwood Hall that has some great duck wings. What are the kind of things you like to enjoy, and where do you like to eat them? Um, I like to eat chicken from KFC. Why KFC? Why not Bojangles? KFC's kind of just better. All right. Well, we'll go with that. All right, Ridge, come here. Talk to me. What kind of bird do you like to eat? Chicken legs. Chicken legs. Where do you like to get them from? Okay, besides chickens, where else do you like to get them from? Chickens. Okay, so we're done with him. All right, Griffin, what kind of birds do you like to eat? Um, do you like chicken, turkey, duck? What do you like? Duck. You like duck? What does a duck say? Quack, quack. <laughs> hey, do those ducks stink at the house? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, why don't you tell me about this? What's your favorite Bible verse? <laughs> All right, Megu, what do you like to eat? Chicken, turkey, duck? What's your favorite? Uh, chicken legs. You like chicken legs? What about a chicken wing? Yeah! All right, she's excited about that. So, do y'all, what is it? What's he doing? Is he playing on my phone? You get off of that. So apparently Griffin thinks he can just play games whenever he wants to. So do y'all have any new Bible verses that y'all learned this week? I have one, but it's really long. Do you know it? It's, don't you know that the runners in a race, in the stadium, all race? But it's 1 Corinthians 9, chap, um, chapter 9, verses 24 through 25. Okay, good job, buddy. Um, John eleven twenty five a. I am the resurrection and the life. Good job. What about you? Um, it's Stop. Psalm one sixteen one. I love the Lord because He hears my voice. <gasps> Way to go, guys! Y'all did a. So you're gonna be kicking while I'm talking about verses. He's making fun of me because I'm, I'm talking about God. So, we both need to stop, right? All right. Thank you guys for helping me. I appreciate it. Good time. Yep. Blow it up. Boop. I remember years ago, one of the best teachers that I ever worked with, a lady by the name of Andrea Hobbs, she used to have some really cool debates in her classes on some very controversial issues. I mean, very controversial. Now, this was like 2008, 2009, 2010. And I remember her being asked a few years later not to continue those topics. Some of those topics included abortion, gay marriage, euthanasia and many other things that actually really need to be discussed. 
Now, folks, there's nothing wrong with freedom of speech. It's guaranteed in our Constitution. It's been fought for. People have died over its preservation. And America ultimately will fail if we do not prioritize it as being something that comes from God, not something that's temporal or from carnal mankind. Those students that Ms. Hobbs always taught respected her because of the fact that she was so transparent. She would even personalize cards to them just to tell them, hey, I care about you. I love you. You're special. You're going to make a difference. Those were all biblical concepts. But yet there were a lot of topics and a lot of issues that she was not allowed to discuss or her kids to be able to discuss to have rational dialogue to, so that she could be kind of impartial and just allow them to think, allow them to hear each other's ideas. And we fast forward 13, 14 years later, and we see how dangerous it is to shut down dialogue, to tell somebody they're canceled. That's where we are now. Now, this sweet Christian lady, whom I always called my arch nemesis, and of course on our middle school team, we just always did that in playful banter. She took time to invest in her kiddos. She truly let them know that they could do something and be something. And as long as UV radiation doesn't completely cause those cards to deteriorate, they're going to have those things forever. What if one of her students was not only needing some encouragement, but what if they needed to truly hear about one of the topics that she was not allowed to discuss in her classroom or allow students to discuss that they might have been really struggling with? You know, to get an open, fair, compassionate, honest exchange of ideas in an environment where free thinking could be promoted. Now, George Washington, he stated that you do well to wish to learn our arts and ways of life and above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. These will make you a greater and happier people than you are. Now, as I've mentioned, I have no hard feelings for those wishing to spend their lives in public education. Like the culture says, hey, you do you. That's all fine and dandy. I still have plenty of people that I stay in touch with and, you know, they'll devote the rest of their lives and their children's lives in the public sector. And I think everybody should have the freedom to make that decision. I'm just sharing my testimony. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just sharing what God has put on my heart. Now, no matter how nice the teacher or the leader to determine what my kids will learn in their pivotal years, that's my decision. That should be mine and my wife's choice any parents. I want to model those same behaviors at home because that's really where it matters. That's where it all begins. As Joshua 24, 15 says, as for me and my house, you know the rest. We will serve the Lord. I want my children to grow up in a home, a town, a city, school, a county, a state, a country, a place where they can be individuals that God has called them to be. I want them to use their God-given talents and their interest. I want them through hard work to perfect those things, to acknowledge their own shortcomings, to be humble, and to aim to be the best, most well-rounded citizen that they can be. But here's the thing. Their citizenship is not of this earth. Earth is not the Christian's home. And I pray that all of my children choose that path for their lives. I pray their citizenship belongs to a place built for worship, a place filled with peace, joy, and praise, a place where precious gemstones will adorn it, a place with the tree of life, a place with pearl gates and streets of gold, 
a place where mansions will be built as we dwell with Jesus, a place where all nations and people will worship Jesus, a place where the light of God shines forevermore. Now, to quote our nation's second president, one of our founding fathers, John Adams, suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book and every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts there exhibited. What a utopia. What a paradise would this region be. I agree with him. What a day that will be when there is no turning back. You're listening to Creation Compass. All right, it's reflection time. How do we grow today? What have you chosen to do with your life? Are you content with what you're doing? I mean, seriously, are you are you really content? Because if you're doing something for the sake of a paycheck, if you're doing something for the sake of your retirement, for your family's security, I want to encourage you, especially if you're a believer, I want you to think about getting uncomfortable. It really was not very comfortable for me back in in 2009 when God started moving through a set of seminars and some DVDs that I watched. I had no clue what he was doing. And for that, I'm always grateful to David Van Wy II because, Bubber, you changed my life, buddy. Now, I know you would say it was God that changed it, and I agree with you. But you, in your selflessness, changed the way that I view the day-to-day interactions that I have. And I appreciate that. I appreciate Dr. Kent Hoven for his selflessness in creating these seminars and sharing this, this set of biblical truths that has changed millions of people's lives. And it all, of course, is coming from the Word of God. Now, I also want to thank my kiddos for helping me today with some much-needed entertainment and encouragement. I want to share a verse with you. It's actually a few verses. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17, it says, But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood that you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. They're able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, I want to remind you about our first 10 episodes. We've interviewed pastors, Bible teachers, published authors, former law enforcement, folks from the business world, high school students, and those that have gone overseas for 40 years to devote their lives to the ministry, to the gospel that truly saves people's lives. I also want to encourage you to check out our website, Our two YouTube channels, Creation and Compost, Teach the Truth, and then also just called Creation and Compost. We're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and yes, we are back on Twitter. If you have any prayer requests, if you have any show questions, maybe there's some things you want to see us do on the show, please reach out to us at Bracewell2007 at creationandcompost.com. 
Now, looking ahead next month, we're going to get to some of our homesteading series where we'll start to look at hunting, gardening, raising animals, and making sacrifices for the greater good. Now, if you've learned anything from this week's podcast, I want you to remember this one thing. A thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. That comes from our 26th president, Mr. Theodore Roosevelt. As always, folks, God bless, hang in there, and always be ready to teach the truth. You're listening to Creation Compost.